Hello, and welcome to episode 234 of the Crate and Crowbar. It is the 11th of April, 2018. My name is Chris Thurston, and tonight I'm joined by Tom Senior. Hello. And Alex Wiltshire, don't you dare say toot. Can I just, can I just start this by making a, a very formal and very significant apology for my behavior last week? That's appreciated. But uh, a flute tooted can't be untooted, Alex. No, there's no going back. It was, a, fl- I, it was a flute toot riot. But you've invited me back. And for that, I am very grateful. A second chance. <laughs> In some ways, probably a third chance by this point. If you don't know what we're talking about, listen to, well, just listen to the four and a half minutes of chaos that set in very late in last week's podcast. Um Thanks to Alex's inability to pronounce the word fruit under duress. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, uh, we've, we've bounced back. Tom, it's good to see you on the podcast again. It's been a while. It feels like it's been a while. Yeah. Not for you and I recording a podcast. No, we were playing Miniatures Monthly, uh, just the other day. Indeed. And that's out right now. But, you know, for, for this, the, the video game's hot take toot machine, whatever it is, this is called the Crate and Crowbar. That's the one. Uh, so we should talk about some news. We should start by talking about a new news news of today, which is that due to some uh, privacy setting changes, specifically the fact that your um, the information about which games you own on Steam is no longer public by default, Steam Spy can no longer operate. Steam Spy being a sort of API driven service supported by Patreon um, that allows people to see how many copies a game has sold approximately. Mm. By relying on public Steam data, and the creator of Steam Spy tweeted this morning that because of this uh, change to Valve's policy, he can no longer operate Steam Spy, which is a change for good in terms of personal privacy. Yeah, it's in interesting, the, I guess, in seeing how this has been received. Era of Zuckerberg. Yeah, that's surely yeah. it, right? I mean, so I've seen some like conspiracy theories about publisher pressure forcing them to finally close the loophole. Uh, but this has been around for years. Yeah. And, and it feels like if they really cared that much about publisher pressure, then they would have done this. The, the difference is Zuckerberg's in front of Congress talking about privacy concerns and it's become an international issue. Yeah. So it feels like they're getting, just trying to get ahead of something, perhaps anticipating some regulation that might come down the line, which the markets are as well um, with Facebook and a lot of other things. So mm. th- it feels like a, a, a customer-focused move. But, or have I fallen for valves? I don't know. I mean, so the, the other side of it is, um, I believe, and though I'm fishing a little bit in the dark here as well, uh, I believe this might have been a subject that came up at GDC a bunch. I don't know. Um, and it just, it just strikes me that this is very soon after GDC for a policy decision like this to, to come in. And mm. it's the type of environment where people will discuss these kinds of things. It could be that what was discussed at GDC is uh, the privacy bus is coming and everybody's jumping up and down. On Mark Zuckerberg. But um, <laughs> so, you know, maybe there's a, maybe that's the reason. I don't know the reason. I think maybe more pertinent is just the sort of the, the range of responses to this. Yeah, it's been fascinating mm. because it's, it is one of the only, or was one of the only ways of getting a glimpse of sort of how a game was doing how viable maybe it was. It was a multiplayer game over a certain amount of time. What was making waves and what wasn't, um, ways of contextualizing what people might be saying about their games and so on. Now, probably rightly, that information is purely at the, uh, at the c- control of the developer in question. Yeah. But 
yeah, we enter a new era of not flailing in the dark. Yeah, flailing in the well, n- basically not endlessly, uh, you know, kind of trying to make heads or tails of what's doing well and what isn't, and so it's on. kind of a, there's it just intersects with so many sort of discussions that are going on in the kind of the sphere. So mm. on one hand, you have some developers who who are using that. Steam Spy's data to make decisions over the kind of games that they made mm. and, uh, you know, what direction, creative direction to go down to, to basically put a divining rod up to, to figure out in this great chaotic time of mm. the indie pocket, our Lord, the indie pocalypse, uh, to kind of, you know, sort of take rest some sort of control. Um, on the other hand, you've got a lot of people saying success isn't only about sales. Mm. Um, and also, you know, sort of you know a number of sales is is never equal you know like 2000 sales at at, at 30 dollars is very different to 2000 sales at five dollars you know whatever. right yeah so you know and also you've got you know production costs and things like that i think a lot of the time that data was being used as a kind of a, a barometer of success and therefore viableness and of um, quality and kind of worth in the world, which is, you know, mm. but I think that that is down, you know, that's just human nature. Um, I certainly found its kind of numbers extremely helpful for getting a feel for things. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think it was always hard. It was always hard to derive really meaningful information from a lot of kind of what's doing well, what isn't going to give time because it has been so chaotic for so long. Yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think the, I mean, it's pertinent to maybe something we're going to talk about, but I used to, I used to look at it a lot when, um, sort of trying to figure out, because given that a lot of my favorite games are Doom shooters, um, specifically, like g- being able to have a, a sense of not beyond simply the kind of anecdotal sense of like, how long did it take me to find a game or how many times am I seeing the same username when I log in to play a multiplayer game? Having something that lets me know, particularly when I was, used to be reviewing these sorts of games, Oh, this is actually getting momentum. This is change. This is building every day. Or this is actually hovering around a sort of, you know, a stable population. Or, oh, this is not doing that it was really handy use of that. And actually that, that I think was in the quote unquote consumer interest because, um, that's an example of where maybe sharing data is to the benefit of everybody because it lets you know where your kind of time and energy might be best invested in that specific case. So we'll, you, yeah. Sorry, will this hide concurrence then and that kind of those stats that? Yeah, yeah, I don't know because, um, cause, cause obviously the other resource is, um, uh, Steam stats. Steam's own charts. The other, is the other. Because I, I completely agree. Those have a very specific customer, uh, like focus, you know, it's good for customers that those exist for yeah. multiplayer games. Uh, I think like, I don't, I'm not going to mourn the loss of these, this data around single player games because a single player game just, you know, doesn't matter. The person Mm. consuming it doesn't need to know how many units it's sold in order to enjoy it. But obviously the ongoing life and health of a multiplayer game, uh, if it's pretty multiplayer focused, should, I mean, if you're going to invest in it, you should be able to see kind of the health of the community and how long you might expect it to last. So I think uh, Lawbreakers was definitely fell prey to this because you could just look at its concurrence and be like wow this this yeah. thing isn't happening yeah in that sense it may even be a good thing mm. like um and maybe that brings us naturally on to the next thing we're going to talk about but <laughs> but you know like um i i really 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 liked lawbreakers but i had and i had but i had the sense of like this doesn't feel like it's getting the critical mass players it needs to to 
be viable. Mm. And of course, the story that it had a lower play- low player base became yeah. kind of all the itself yeah. kind of so, building. Yeah, definitely. Well, and so this maybe brings us on to what we're about to talk about, which is uh, Radical Heights, which is a new game by Boss Key, um, which is the studio that made uh, Lawbreakers. Lawbreakers being the kind of um, very kind of throwback, very technical uh, arena shooter released by uh, Clifford Blazinski and Friends last year. Uh, which I liked a great deal. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I played it for two happy weeks, basically, which is plenty of time to really enjoy something. Mm. Um, and, um, because I reviewed it, uh, I ended up interviewing, um, Cliffy B afterwards and talking to him about it. And he was sort of, um, you know, I th- he was actually very, very open about how, you know, it, it was not necessarily an easy launch. It didn't necessarily find loads of players straight away, but he was very hopeful about, um, the game has subsequently work has ceased on it. This is maybe some context, but like, you know, he was very hopeful about it, but also he was frustrated that the story had become this game isn't selling rather than this game is good. And I don't think outlets necessarily bear responsibility, I'm but there's sure. certainly I, I, a point where it's, hmm. yeah. There's, that, it, that became the story, but there was actually loads of, it was critically acclaimed lawbreakers. Like hmm. we, we reviewed it really highly. Uh, Evan wrote about it several times about why it was great. We saw other outlets writing about why it was brilliant. And I think I'd put it more down to the way the game looked. It looks for, on surface level very similar to a lot of other games mm. that are out there, even though it obviously has a lot more technical, um, technical depth to it. Uh, and it's a kind of an interesting throwback to all school shooters with like high movement and, you know, high lethality, rocket shooting, that kind of stuff. Um, but that, that cell didn't get through. It was almost like the marketing couldn't penetrate the, the, the mass of other similar shooters like Overwatch and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I also think maybe, I think mechanically, um, movement heavy shooters have a pretty hard cap on their mm. audience size i suspect yeah, like true. um i think every like you know i mean cod has experimented with having a little bit of free running or whatever but yeah. even then it was titan light basically you yeah. know like yeah. um it it, it was the net like it's it, there's a definitely a correlation in my mind between games like that tribes uh, you know, a Quake Arena in the modern, in the modern era, not when it was a kind of 90s be all and end all, uh, Titanfall, et cetera, mm-hmm. that have struggled f- for basically the same reasons. I don't think it's necessarily a surprise for Lawbreakers. Um, but I do think that, I do think that the, um, I, it struck me because I was really enjoying it that maybe, and I guess it's anecdotal each way. And I know the PC gamer, for example, covered it a lot, but it's a very PC gamer sort of heartland kind of thing. Mm. Um, I was definitely seeing, not just in terms of coverage, but in terms of like tweets, what people are tweeting, like, you know, like I was seeing a lot more like, oh man, the sort of the, the, there is a, there is a marketplace for sort of like car crash spectator commentary in this industry. And and B has this sort of one that people want to see him fall because they perceive him as being this brash yeah playboy yeah you know he burst through a, the a wall of a microsoft e3 conference once holding a chainsaw and ever since then like and i don't say that to be glib i mean you know he's associated very closely with a certain corner of triple a and therefore there's a yeah well, there, there was is, the kind of the red sports cars when he was epic still yeah and all that. right like he's there is there is twitter mileage in that story more so than a group of people made actually a pretty cool game yeah. like it's sort of you know uh, negativity carries a lot louder i'm not saying that to maybe say that you know steam spy was wholly a force for similar kinds of things but you know that's maybe one of the reasons i'd be glad to see it that that information go purely to the discretion of the developers is it does make it harder for that become to become 
the be all the be all and end all story like how's yeah. it doing today type yeah. thing mm-hmm. the radical heights yeah radical heights to me feels like the kind of the the last grasp for the studio like the the point at which they had to get this is presumably so they they the bosky continued supporting lawbreakers into kind of what was evidently oblivion you know trying to kind of maintain some sort of hope for lawbreakers until you know publisher relationship meant they didn't need to or whatever whatever was going on radicalites presumably was being made at you know worked on at the same time but they've had to rush this out like it looks like a a game that has been hurried to this line this early access so yes line yeah so it is a it's a battle royale um that has gone into early access free early access extremely quickly like from announcement to please play it now straight away mm-hmm. um and it has a sort of 80s retro laser grid perspective thing tubular tubular radical high tops skateboard bmx neon pastel blue thing going on i don't get it chris no has a has a 42 year old man i think i'm 42 yeah this is this should be my era like it should be this is like late 80s 80s correspondent Alex. very late late (laughs) 80s uh maybe early like 91 or something like that like and like people who actually were young and possibly saying tubular at the time i won't deny or or confirm that Mm. um I'm too old to play anything quite like that now. Like, it's just, it's the worst. Mm. But does that mean the kids now? Do they get into all this tubular stuff? Is that? Is that... <laughs> they just can't get, get out of those tubes, kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like when I was, you know, you'd kind of, I suppose you're always looking back to an era in any one, like one, any decade, you're kind of looking back fondly on, on other one strange it doesn't have the stranger things vibe it doesn't have like the warm kind of 80s kind of uh yeah it feel it has the sort of shit bit of the <laughs> 80s or or that particular part of the 80s it feels like yeah there's, there's a wide band kind of so they even announced this with a kind of 80s style toy advert i think maybe part of it is that 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 was that is a very dated marketing idea now yeah. it's been done so, so many, very, times, very many times and it's been done better like strafe did it better um far cry blood dragon did exactly the same idea to a higher standard of fidelity like it yeah. feels i feel like pop culture got this out of its system with kung fury you know what i mean like we don't need to any more of that it proved like we did drew it. the line you know, you know let's not do any like you know what i mean like okay we've exhausted humanity's capability to care about knight rider <laughs> maybe that's not true but you, you know what i mean like that sort of toy like um radical saturday morning kids cartoon toy advert thing is played out whereas i would say that the stranger things thing which is the sort of you know uh goonies stephen king kind of form of 80s horror 80s is maybe still got some margin like um yeah. blackout club uh questions new game yeah thomas's new game that looks cool that, yeah, that does, has yeah. then i haven't seen a game that looks like that and that is still very much rooted in the era of riding a bmx around wearing high tops but it's 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 um it's, i think it's the sheer irony levels are just yeah. sort of 
I mean, it, it's a, it's clearly doesn't really like that stuff. Like it, it's taking the pits, you know, it's not mm. a particularly fond rendition. And why should it be like anyone who said tubular should be ashamed of themselves? <laughs> and as someone who experiences shame most, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, and then, and then there's its evident production values, which I have not played yet. It's been out for a couple of days now. Mm. Um, I saw on it on Bosky's Twitter account, uh, they did a, they've done a competition. Uh, send us your videos of doing cool BMX tricks so you can ride a BMX in the game and kind of you can, there are kind of like, um, uh, what are those, uh, those kind of skateboard ramp things. Yeah, um, half pipes. Half pipe. There's a half, half pipe tubes. and you can do half it. Tubes. <laughs> But the physics are janky as hell yeah, and combined well. with a bit of kind of network kind of, mm. you know, things. And I watched someone submit a video, <laughs> video to the, to the competition in which he starts to roll down the 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 the, the, the half pipe and then reverses instantly <laughs> up into the the sky spins around for a while and then back down and like you know i think as a general tip to any game studios out there make sure your game is solid before you, you invite say, people to use you say <laughs> that but sorry something it's a, a beautiful artifact because it's it's a chance for the audience the wider gaming audience to see what games kind of look like when they've just like should be at the gray box. Like it, the, the state it's in is kind of like pre art pass. It should be like they've done an art pass because they have to put it out there. Yeah. But it's, it's at that stage where everything should just look like gray boxes and a character should just randomly bounce into the, the sky and die. And that's just part of what testers have to fix over the course of many months. But now everybody gets to experience that. Everyone gets to see how fucking messed up games are when they're just in a kind of a half production state. Maybe. Do you reckon one day, you know, if, if if this is all born out of the nostalgia of American dudes in their forties for that particular era, do you think thirty years from now, teenagers growing up on like <laughs> free to play, shonky free to play early access survival games <laughs> will be like looking back fondly on the time? Like they'll be obviously ridden with a particular form of agoraphobia where they can't go outside without fearing <laughs> their legs just going to kind of spring off, become two hundred feet long, and fly into space. Oh man, that's Jeremy. Jeremy half tube <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, sort of doing the doing the little dances as well like oh, do you remember oh the Fortnite dances yeah exactly <laughs> but but nonetheless that they um you know they they will be nostalgic for this maybe i don't know um i don't know i mean when it comes to the way the game looks and the sort of marketing and stuff if you if you're younger and looking at it aren't you just going to think well this looks like a shit Fortnite. You're not going yeah. to think anything about yeah. the 80s. You're just going to be like, well, this Fortnite's really cheerful and fun and colourful and Also well free. And also, also free. And yeah. all my friends are playing it. I do yeah. think that's, an, it, it's such a, that, that is, I mean, I think we, you said it before we started recording, but that is, I think maybe at the core of the who's this for, um, thing is, you know, not to say that obviously everybody in the world plays, plays Fortnite apparently, but it's, it's big because it's popular with young people, right? Like yeah. the, the young enjoy it. Um, kids like it kids and drake they they both love it <laughs> and and like and so you know and fortnite has a very um generic mmo-ish omni accessible kind of art style no no kid born in 2006 hate to do that gives a flying fuck about transformers toy adverts yeah 
Or, or Cliffy B. That's the thing. Like, yeah, is, indeed, yeah. He is a game designer of of an older era. Like, but this, yeah, our, shit. This 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 game is maybe it's 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 ideal audience in some ways are people who are as old as Gears of War. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know what I mean? They were literally being born as he burst through that Gears Microsoft War, conference it? wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now the fates are bind together. Except, you know, that audience will play Plug Bat instead. Although uh, or Fortnite. I did Fortnite. notice that he's his name is being less attached to this game mm. than, than, mm. than previously, which I think was a smart move. Like, absolutely right, you know for multitudes of reasons but yeah like you know yeah. i think you can't wish into life something like especially a game you know you, a battle royale game like they're not not easy to make are they i think they might be <laughs> <laughs> i think you might just drop a hundred people in a box <laughs> and give them a pan and say good luck <laughs> <laughs> I th- I, I, I'm not saying that they're easy, but I'm saying that players. Well, how big is um, PUBG's 100 players? But how big is um, how many players in? Um, do you know in um, in Radical Heights? No, oh. no, I do not. But nonetheless, I'm saying that all games are hard to make. And that goes without saying. I think they're probably on the easier end of the spectrum when it comes to, apart from maybe a netcode. I think in terms of design, mm-hmm. they are forgiving. There's more to be done as well in the battle royale. I mean, I, there, yeah. I think there's way more to be experimented with in the battle royale formula. And we're going to see a lot of it over the next few years because this is the bandwagon now. Because you know, if you look at what Fortnite's done, PUBG's done, uh, and I remember, remember when everyone, every major publisher had to have an MMO, mm. and, and then how, a MOBA, uh, yeah, and then a MOBA. This is the new thing of that. But I think we're actually probably going to get better games out of it just because the mm. formula is way more interesting yeah, and I less agree. set in stone than the, 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 both the MMO and the MOBA to an extent. Yeah, it feels quite free and open mm. arena. Uh, yeah, and, and I think there's also, uh, it's nice that maybe to the credit, like, um, law, like lawbreakers didn't survive this, but there is a, a desire and a hunger for games that are unforgiving in a way that the ma- mainstream games industry did not consider market viable mm. a couple of years ago. Like, I feel like, I mean, I imagine Battlefield and, and COD will continue to do well. But I really hope these games put a big dent in the notion that what a multiplayer shooter needs to be to be commercially successful is functionally a circle, like a NASCAR track that you run around in shooting the person in front of you and getting shot in the back and shooting the person in front of you and getting shot in the back until you unlock an ACOG site. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's that- a middle ground, like stuff like uh, Rainbow Six Siege, which is excellent. Yeah. Um, which is done very well simply by sticking around and just banging it, banging the drum and just being yeah. quietly very good. Yeah. Uh, mm. that's a, that's a great example that there, you know, a middle sized shooter can be viable, I think. Siege is almost the basis for my, you can do anything you want, just don't fuck with movement theory. Mm. Mm. Cause it's like, Siege is so, I mean, I, I re-reviewed it for Eurogamer recently and, um, <clears throat> Siege is so strange from a complexity point of view. It's, it's wildly complicated. And it is complicated and it has a huge knowledge cap, which for me is the most off. Like I like Siege a lot, but I'm fascinated. Like, like I'm fascinated by the fact that like for me, like knowledge caps are the most uh, or knowledge ceilings or or knowledge uh, or skill curves, I guess, based difficulty curves are fundamentally based on your ability to learn facts about how the game works is the least gratifying. It's the thing you don't get from feel. You just get from doing your homework. Yeah. Siege is that game like a hundred percent. Obviously there's lots of technical stuff you can be good at, but. 
there's so much to learn. Whereas something like Tribes or Lawbreakers was always very intuitive. It was about muscle memory and kind of learning these intricate movement systems that you had to be, you had to get a feel for. You couldn't be told how to do it. And it's just, it's fascinating to me that huge divide in, in what's successful and what's not. Yeah, it's, it is really interesting. Similar for like Titanfall, where when yeah. I played Titanfall the first time, I was like, this is where she, what she just have to do now. This is so fucking dynamic and exciting. Mm. And it, yeah. just you're changing between these, these robots and then back into a person. And the two skill sets are really different, but equally exciting in different ways. And that there's so much like capture the flag. Titanfall is incredible. It's so good. She's sort of getting a flag, diving onto your friend's Titan, diving off into walls. And you know, the counterplay is so fast and exciting. And the cash, cash mode is fun as well. Yeah. And what then just went poof. <laughs> Well, they they said that it, it was being played fairly solidly, actually. Mm. Titanfall two. I think I think two's done all right. Two's done and all right. one also had the problem of different an, a, a prior era of map pack kind of right. community yeah. annihilation protocols. It was also released in between Battlefield and COD within weeks of both. On if I two was yeah two was yeah, yeah. Okay. two was released into that to was die good. basically. Mm. Um, yeah, like this. Like I think there's, there's there's an irony with this, which is that obviously. Um, the back, a lot of the boss key developers are from Epic and Epic is a company that was experiencing similar sorts of difficulties. Um, yeah. Paragon there, you know, constantly redesigned, um, sort of third person MOBA thing, which I quite liked, um, was formally killed basically. Um, Fortnite, Fortnite was incredibly shaky before, yeah. before the battle royale. Fortnite was basically, you know, I mean, that, that, that feels like a company that was pretty much. If I, I thought, yeah, I thought they were, you know, other than the engine, I thought that. Mm. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I hadn't even like, obviously I knew Fortnite was huge. I didn't even put the two and two together until I kept getting emails saying that my, um, I'd had, uh, like, uh, you know, failed login attempts to my, epic account and it had been locked and i was like why is this like and i thought is this because epic have closed and i was like <laughs> no it's because epic are now the biggest game company in the world just overnight more feels like overnight because yeah. of the vast success of Fortnite. Yeah. um which is um yeah which is strange I and mean, it's sort of you can you can see i think maybe that's one of the other things about uh, uh radical heights and I, I feel this way about lots of the sort of second generation mobas as well there's this thing of like what it is designed to achieve from a business point of view is so, so obvious that there is no love to feel from it. You know what I mean? Like there is no, it's very difficult to look at it and think this is the game somebody always wanted to make yeah. or someone's got something to tell me here, you know, something, someone's got like a passion here. Um, which was true of Lawbreakers. It was absolutely true of Lawbreakers. There was like, we fucking love Quake 3 and we want to make five different versions of Quake 3 at the same time. Um, whereas this is, we want to have a we viable just, business. We just want to survive. <laughs> and that's like, a, that's legit. That's a legit thing to be afraid of, but it's, you know, it's, it's so visible. And like, that's why it can't just be a white box. Cause if it was just a white box, <laughs> it would be like, please play this. Yeah. Um, but I know yeah. you've got to charge for it, but it's kind of also sad to watch people buying it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's free, isn't it? It's, it's, it's free. completely oh, free. Right. Excuse me, then. And they they rolled back some of the kind of um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was some aspect of it's 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 kind of paid bits which they oh, rolled back, okay. but in because it was accused of being paid to win. Mm. If it's like a big cash grab, they then release it for free and I guess put it in six months in a, in, down the line. Put those. Oh well, they'll be hoping know. for for cosmetics to to, to I, rule it. I yeah. wonder if they're hoping 
to have it bought by uh well, they said Chinese we're publisher. looking for we're looking for yeah, publishers. Right. They've that, they've kind of nakedly said that we're you know would honestly be my guess. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's a death row game. Like this yeah. is kind of like mm. if this doesn't get snapped up, we're dead. Yeah, I think this is yeah this is the the headlong dive at ten cent and perfect world basically yeah. mm. arms held high. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, man, just it's horrible. Feel, yeah, like it's horrible. I do, feel, I massively feel for them because it's you know because it's it's there's a lot of talent that's. As you put it, you know, gone into something with no passion, you know, with necessarily no passion in it because, oh. No. Yeah. While we're on the subject, can we talk about how um, Brendan Green, the unknown player, um, doesn't like people calling Plunk Bat, Plunk Bat? <laughs> can we talk about that? He's wrong. Yeah. He is incorrect. Yeah, he's incorrect. Um, PUBG. Yeah. Well, because they, they renamed that part of Blue Hole PUBG. <laughs> company didn't yeah, they this um blue hole also not being the great <laughs> name of the company <laughs> they sell, is it south korean um yes it is publisher yeah they make different types of games yeah what's well, surpri- what's surprising co- combination of businesses and ideas to come together uh, like a south korean they make very different games published very different games and it's like we'll, we'll buy this yeah it's the most successful <laughs> successful thing until Fortnite. yeah which is just it but free yeah Exactly. Um, what I'm finding, like, so if if this kind of trend continues with Fortnite, just sort of because right now, uh, uh, Plunk Bat, yeah, you heard that, yeah. Plunk Bat, um, is now kind of mixed reviews on 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 Steam. You know, there is a mm. some kind of backlash going on. It's apparently to do with kind of some sort of lag issues and kind of I don't know, God knows what, yeah. and cheating and stuff. Um, so, you know, and meanwhile, kind of Fortnite is cleaning up and there's a general feel that kind of, that, that Plunk Bat is, is on the back foot. And, and it's interesting to me that, that it's kind of possibly mirroring the sort of what happened with Daisy, where Daisy mm-hmm. exploded and then Plunk Bat came along and eclipsed Daisy, you know, which was of course built off Daisy originally and then we've got Fortnite kind of exploding underneath kind of you know the Bat Royale that that the Plunk Bat kind of sort of ushered into being less than a year ago yeah yeah it's kind of I wonder where I think I think it might like honestly there's a bit of symmetry going on and I think maybe to bring it back to the issue of uh tubular bellends there's like the problem of like PUBG does not have a very inviting tone it's quite a good looking game, technically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I quite like it for that. I quite like you know, walking around yeah, the field yeah. with my mates. Yeah. But like, <clears throat> I think, um, I'll link to, uh, Alice O'Connor's article about, um, Bren Gren's unhappiness with Plunk Bat. Um, but she, she, uh, was very funny on that subject, but like, she also pointed out that, you know, um, the name Plunk Bat helps to diffuse some of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds weird tone. Yeah. Like it's very unsure about whether it's a like a game show, like an edgy game show, or if it's just a bunch of wankers in a field. Like it's very like it's got that kind of strange tribal tat logo, and like it's very hard to pin down how you're mm. supposed to feel about anything. It does look like a kind of corporate retreat airsoft <laughs> exercise, doesn't it? That kind yeah, of to it. but co- yeah, but coordinated. But like, yes, you're right. Mm. But like, the special guest MC for this like team building like exercise is like 
a member of Blink One Eight Two, who's being paid twenty thousand dollars. Which is the which is the, the, the kind of like the, the and then the, the surprising thing is that Brendan Green is a a really nice kind yeah. of oh, mild mannered yeah, kind sure, of lovely yeah, yeah. guy, which, who really does not seem to live up to this kind of the play the, the all caps Blink One Eight Two member. Well, it's like thing. you know the fact that his sort of avatar in the game, the the un- the, the player unknown is this sort of like hoodie leather hoodie bandana uh, studded belt. <laughs> kind of mall goth like mm. it's such a strange i'm quite fond of it because it's so weird but it's but, and it's kind of it was fine when it was the only horse in town because you kind of like it was just this weird kind of layer to it which you could kind of sort of like god that's weird and it kind of made it i don't know a bit more interesting in some ways sort of weirdly interesting because you yeah. can subvert it and you know when you hear stories about like um there's a twitter user called frog, frog croakley mm. nate, nate crowley who's a very funny guy and um he likes to play games um in silly ways and and he tells tales of, of how he and his friends play where he kind of lies on the ground and everyone and, and all his friends kind of worship as, him as some sort of king <laughs> like in the middle of this war zone like subverting kind of that or you know that sort of mm. um, atmosphere was yeah. great but then Fortnite comes along and totally rewrites expectations for what the form is and it makes yeah it does make punk bat look a little kind of mm. yeah and daisy kind of had this as well right like daisy was this sort of army surplus shop <laughs> <laughs> of of broken dreams but like but you know what i mean it was sort of it looked like uh, well, it looked like armor and it looked yeah. sort of not like armor at the same time and yeah. like on the journey to, and it's a sort of, I think it's a bit of a shame and like, I don't want to shit on those games too much because actually like, I think there's a lot, there's charm in, in subverting those things. There's charm in their kind of relative tonal neutrality as well. I yeah. think it can be a place you hang out. Yeah. Um, and, but like, cause Fortnite is, you know, like, I don't know one day someone will figure out what to call it, but like, there's certainly a post wow way that video games look. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Blizzard's vast influence on the palette, UI design, character design. You know, what Blizzard did to the way MMOs look is probably equivalent to what Pixar did to the way animated films look, I think, probably. Because like, it's, um, it's, it's wow by, by way of kind of Clash of Clans is the thing. Yeah, but Clash of Clans is hugely yeah, Blizzard derivative yeah, as well, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it is, it is possible to make games that don't look like that, but like it does feel like, you know, how many genres can you think of where the one that's its runaway success looks a bit like Warcraft? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's all of them, by the way. Like, that applies to MOBAs, obviously applies to MMOs, applies to, to this. So, yeah, it, you know, maybe next time, next time the next new big genre shows up, whatever it is, just make it free, make it look a little bit more like WoW than the competitors, and Listen, congrats, you've done Titan it. Titanfall 2 should have, the Titan should have been like giant nightmarish Teletubby things that people, <laughs> bulbous characters, dive into and pilot around. Honest to God, if they look like... <laughs> Big Hero 6, that should have been oh, the, yeah, um, that's that the should have been the, yeah. the license. That would have been great, actually. That, that's, you know, yeah, I mean, but, but honest to God, like, there's probably a version where that does really well, where the Titans look like those steampunky things from league of legends right there's a you know that there's um there's certainly a form of like video game fantasy world which is neither fantasy nor steampunk nor anything it's just the sort of you know sort of soft edged omni fantasy that um has its you know it just seems to always work right the the blob that eats up other genres and incorporates them and sort of rounds them out like here's the samurai bit of the bulbous blob (laughs) here's the uh, steampunk bit yes you know it has it's it's got uh nothing to say but you don't want it to tell you anything because you just want to you just want to have fun fun with your 
fun with the chums. Chum fun. Mm. You want to just grab that low-hanging... No. <laughs> no. Low-hanging loot. <laughs> nice. Yeah? Although, yeah, I see I you did. Subverted subverted you. <laughs> you did. You did. Now I feel like a fool. Uh, we should talk about a game that we've been playing. Yeah. What have you been playing, Alex? I'd be playing Jalopy. Oh, mm. out now. Which is now, yeah, 1.0. Um, and, uh, it's been out for maybe a year or so. I can't quite remember when it first came out, but this is a game set in the former Soviet bloc in something like 1980. So in many ways, you could say we're that we're going to have, um, we're going to have a very, B was inspired by this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but this is a little more grim. You, um, you, uh, drive basically a car. Um, this is for, uh, uh, which is inspired by the Trabant or something like that, sort of hmm. Soviet block, blocky car. Um, but it's called in this, the, um, Leica and, um, the Leica Deluxe. It's not a very deluxe game, uh, car, I should say. Uh, at the start of the game, uh, you're with your uncle and he tells you how to install your, uh, engine and your air filter and all your bits and pieces into your car. You do in order to open up the car, you have to pull a lever just by the, by the kind of underneath the driver's, um, side of the car. And, you know, then the, the thing opens and you can put things in and then you kind of have to put the wheels on and you have to tighten up the nuts and, and then you drive off. And, um, it's effectively a game. It's like elite, <laughs> uh, with a bit of resident evil. Uh, but set in, the, in a, uh, driving a car in the, the former Soviet bloc. The Resident Evil. Do you want me to unpack that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, uh, you, uh, the, the objective of the game is fundamentally to trade goods between countries. So you're driving along these, um, uh, motorways and byways and mud tracks and things in this dilapidated car. Mm. Um, and as you're driving kind of, your engine will start to wear out and you can buy better engine. You can go faster and you can, you know, you might, if it rains, you'll need better tires and that sort of thing. But that, of course, all costs money. You'll need fuel as well. Mm. Two-stroke engines, you also need oil to, to mix into the fuel tank. Um, you'll need water to put in there for the kind of, to, for the, for the radiator and things like that. Um, uh, and so you're, you're trading goods. You, you're, you're buying in one place and selling it for in other places. In the back of the car, you have a number of slots in which you can put stuff. You'll probably want a tire repair kit. Hmm. You might need uh, some repair tools for the engine itself. You can put spares in there. You'll need um, a fuel tank, a fuel ca- a canister, um, bottle water. But then there's some space left over for putting for the stuff you'll be selling. Um, and what I mean by the Resident Evil thing is that um, um, it's a bit like the the inventory in Resident Evil, where you're trying to slot things in in the most efficient way possible so you're kind of having to find spaces so that things kind of insert in a kind of in a in, a, in an efficient manner it, and then you're it, driving off is it a grid system or is it like a physics game <laughs> it's um it's a, interesting it's not really physics based you're kind of just you mm. interact with the rack and it kind of puts it automatically into available space yeah. so you've got to sort of put the right thing in the, the thing in first mm. so, so that it all slots in nicely sort of thing so it's kind of it's it's all a little janky, which is completely kind of in fitting with the kind of the the yeah. whole 
ethos of the game. Yeah. But like the game is very janky and I'm going to be writing about it for Rock Paper Shotgun because, um, a, a, one guy on his own, um, made it and he, um, used to work at, um, Codemasters on the Formula One games. And wow. so he made a he car broke, game, which the is the one. antithesis <laughs> of, of, of Formula One. Um, uh, and, it was never really meant to be popular and it ended up being quite popular because its theme is kind of just very evocative. Yeah. It's, like it's, it's a real kind of strange tourist game, strange being in, a, in an alternative world, like a semi real world and, but one that is very much, you know, inspired by, you know, real events and real places. Yeah. Something very intriguing just about its color palette and it's almost lack of textures. That's yeah. a kind of, tone to the whole world that immediately comes across through just even still screenshots yeah it's, it's a low poly kind of not very much i think there's any, any texturing in it i don't think there is actually hmm. it was very minimal texturing so yeah like given given that style actually it does feel incredibly vintage because everything's brown and gray <laughs> <laughs> it, feels, it sounds like there's also a kind of um uh, european euro road truck simulator he was very much inspired well. by that yeah because yeah. Uh, i mean that is a very specific and wonderful genre that we're slightly obsessed with on PC Gamer, like especially our writers like Andy Kelly, who just uh, every three or four months will boot up uh, a truck and then s- just drive for three hours at night and listen to the radio in the game. And that is, <laughs> and it's really nice. It's something really, really wonderful about it. Just that sort of quiet and the calm. Yeah. And the, there's something very charming. And this is something I get out of miniatures and miniatures painting of um like facsimiles of real life that yeah. are kind of caricature them in some way that it's like seeing a miniature village, right? Being inside one of these cars, one of these fake trucks is kind of fascinating in a way that being in a real truck would just seem ordinary. Yeah. yeah. A, there is a strange kind of magic to it. Yeah, like they they kind of intimate that um that you're actually learning something about what a real how a real truck works, or mm. you know because you you have to write mix in the right amount of uh, of oil into your into your uh, the the engine into the fuel tank, and you have to um, everything is kind of you know when you set off you've got to turn the key in the ignition and you've got to close your door and you have to grasp the steering wheel and you know. There's lots of about it, which is kind of, uh, um, in, enacted, I suppose is the word. Mm. But of course, yeah, it's massively abstracted. Like, you know, sort of, you know, you're not really, you're not changing gears or you're not sort of doing all the kind of weird declutchy stuff that you had to do in old cars and things. Yeah. But it's, but it, but you get that satisfaction of kind of, I'm doing a thing of complexity. It's a bit like that, um, I can't remember what the, what's that gun game where receiver? you, yeah, receiver feel yeah. to it as well. Mm. Yeah. But it's, you know, but it's, um, it, I, I need to play a lot more of it because, um, I hadn't really got into the groove of going from place to place. Um, there are contraband materials you could get through, but you might get caught as you go through, um, uh, across borders and things like that. And, mm. I know that Pep, I think Pep spoke about it on the podcast before, but yeah, she's about, a, she's a, an aficionado. Well, I mean, well, her, but she's chiefly experienced it in terms of, uh, let's say emergent crisis, um, in, in any given kind of environment, like it's kind of a, its capacity to generate calamity scenarios. Has that been your, I haven't, I haven't played enough to come into that sort of thing, but right. you can, you can get into a situation if you run out of fuel halfway between destinations, you, you kind of have to either hope that there's a kind of a crate that you find kind of just by the side of the road. Right. Uh, and you have means to open it or you walk. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
<laughs> which is sort of which i quite kind of like the hardcore mm. nature of that like mm. you know it does mean things mean things isn't your uncle in the car with you yeah does he just sit there he just sits there <laughs> <laughs> and then and then when you before you go over the border you go you're basically in a town like dresden or something like that and you uh uh you go into a motel and you stay the night and he just lies in the bed next to you and then you get to read his kind of in his briefcase and there's like a little story that plays out through that so uh, about uh. kind of you know I don't, i'm not quite sure what it is about it but <laughs> it's a it's a fascinating game uh and but unfortunately it's kind of launched with a lot of bugs a lot a lot mm. a lot of bugs um the kind of bugs that that kind of bug a game made by one person which is actually quite um ambitious is doing a lot of things mm. um there's a lot of little systems going on all at once and i know that the the person who made it is you know sort of busted gut to get it into the state that it is today and is kind of you know weathering the 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 result you know the the, the kind of the outcry that that attracts but um but you know, go into it with eyes open and know that every bug is thematically, you know, consistent and um, you mm. might have a lot to love. No, that sounds cool. So I've been playing um, another sort of 80s. Well, it's set in 2089. That's a form of 80s. Uh, and it is deliberately <laughs> a very 80s story. I've been playing All Walls Must Fall. Um, oh, yeah. All Walls Must Fall. All Walls Must Fall, which is set in a, uh, a, a 2089 Berlin where the... Uh, Berlin Wall did not fall and where the Cold War did not end. Um, so in some ways it's just the eighties, but cyberpunk, but more cyberpunk. It's also got a kind of throwback kind of war games side of things. So actually we're kind of really on a theme. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, and I, I wanted to play, I think I mentioned on the podcast a couple of episodes ago that I wanted to play it because, uh, Tom F had played a little bit of it and gotten started with it. And, I find it really fascinating and I was hoping to, I've played a couple of hours of it now. I think I've almost finished one campaign. There's an element of procedural generation to work construct missions that is, I think intended to be a game that you replay, try and replay for mastery, not an especially yeah. long campaign. Um, and I've gotten to this point in it now and I still don't feel like I get it, which is, well, no, it's not weird to not, for me to not get it. It's just, it's weird to kind of, uh, given that it's a game that's been, it's been well received, uh, it's reviewed well, it's got high rating on Steam. I feel like the positive side of it is I feel like there is something that, that to get from this sort of strategic sandbox. But my experience with it, honestly, has been of constantly feeling like I'm doing something. I, I'm fundamentally misunderstanding something about what it is about. So when Tom described it previously, it is a isometric sort of XCOM style, uh, tactics game but it also has some sort of tonally it feels a little bit like syndicate um and it has uh, but it, and it has sort of some stealth elements you have a mission to complete um and you uh you are you are a sort of time traveler helping an agent who is being sort of pulled back and forward through time in the hours prior to a disaster to try and unpick the kind of um try and so in the hours prior to a nuclear explosion trying to uh, piece together the various series of events that leads to that happening and prevent them uh, where all of these events take place inside um, uh, Berlin gay clubs, which is an amazing setup. And mm. I really like that about it. And that's that like, it's a game. It's, 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 a, it's it looks really, really interesting and it has a really, uh, really interesting tone. 
and it's amazing what a difference just it's sort of um it's idiosyncrasy in, in regards to its subject matter and and its way of kind of framing its characters and kind of just sometimes just presenting you with a club full of naked hairy dudes is it feels very fresh for that reason and, and really like unexpected not unexpected because you know that's what it's about going in but in a in a it, it certainly isn't the only you know cyberpunk stealth strategy game around or you know anything like that but it has a lovely kind of uh sense of its sense of itself and also sort of really interesting tone and so on and because you're a time traveler, your principal interaction, well, your principal kind of power is your ability to kind of rewind time in, in interesting ways, which is what Tom previously spoke about. You can rewind the world, but not yourself. You can rewind yourself, but not the world. Uh, you can undo any act. And those are the kind of fundamental verbs of it. However, however, playing it as a strategy game with rewind doesn't, isn't, isn't what it is like it's not what it's about nor is it really a stealth game it's kind of i think a combo building sort of speed tactics game it's incredibly complicated in ways that i probably already made it sound incredibly complicated but my experience of it has been constantly playing it wrong and being quite brutally punished for that because it's very hard and then getting into strange situations where i think due to a combination of bugs and a very busy interface I find myself winning when I feel like I have accidentally trial and errored my way to the, to the success and losing in circumstances, which to me at the time feel completely unavoidable, but maybe aren't. And yeah. And I know, I know you guys have played it mm. in no, Alex, you haven't, but Tommy, you did. I played it in like the first week it came into early access. Right. And there was some vital pillars missing at that point. It left me with a feeling that I don't get very often, which is I want someone to show me how to play it. When you say it's complicated, is it like sort of characters having loads of stats complicated or is it, it's, uh, there's a lot of learning what the con, like there's, uh, so I think it's, it's a very good looking game, but it's a very busy interface. So on, on some levels, it's just sort of, um, there's lots of effects, kind of- lots of like screen distortion and effects mm-hmm. and things. And so it can be quite hard to precisely know what the consequence of something's going to be. And you learn and you learn, and obviously it's a game about undoing mistakes. So to some extent, that's fine. Um, and I, I've made, I feel like it's a game I want to return to because I want to keep playing it because I want to get it. Because, you know, um, uh, Christian Don, who I respect tremendously as a critic, really, really liked it for Eurogamer. And I mm. want to get it because I feel like I've had these strange situations where, so initially, maybe the best way to explain it is initially I saw it as a, a stealth game with social elements because you go into, you know, your first mission when it's especially on easy mode, you go into a club and there's a dialogue system. And in the dialogue system, um, you can still rewind. So there's a lot. You know, so, and it feels a little bit like the love child of Life is Strange and the pheromone combat system from Deus Ex, <laughs> which is a great idea, right? Mm-hmm. Especially to incorporate that into a stealth game. Um, so initially I thought it was a game about going to clubs and sort of figuring out how to talk your way past people. And then there is combat, there's shooting and stuff, but you do your objective and maybe that gets out. So all my first early successes were all completely, um, sort of pacifist. I was getting all the pacifist achievements, like you're doing everything with that fight, fighting. Um, but the, but that is sort of complicated by the fact that actually the conversation system doesn't seem to make any sense to me. So you, when you're talking to somebody, you have three bars, uh, what, and they each have different kind of qualities, uh, a positive quality and a negative quality. And if the bar goes straight down to the negative, 
then you fail the conversation and the fight begins. And if any of them go into the positive, like all the way up to 100%, then you have won the conversation and a good thing will happen. Usually that will just prevent you from getting into a fight or a door will open. And those bars are one of them, like I think I can just think about the, the good ones. The good things you want to hit with people are respect, flirting, and uh, scaring them. So Which if you is, fail flirting, you get into the fight. you get you get um, flirting failure is the message that pops up. Yeah. Um, res- um, I think uh, respect success is one of its better phrases. I think, but um, like, but there's it has a big problem. Which so the conversations themselves, there 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 are there are a finite set of them, but they kind of arrive in remixed form, and you pick your response from a choice of on the list. But there are some really strange interpretations of what lines mean. Ah, uh, the classic conversational. I don't uh, think it's not even that. And, it's not like uh, even yeah, cues. Yeah, yeah it's like, like, like <laughs> you know. Um, so, and I've learned that there are certain patterns that will normally work regardless of where you encounter that conversation. So one of them is you go into a room, guard turns around and goes, what are you doing in here? And you, if you follow the path, which is like, I'm here to fix the air or we'll all die. And then say, you better not dob me in or them upstairs will hear about it. Then that normally works. But I've seen, and that will normally fill up the scary part, but I've taken the, the course off that sometimes or in a different conversation where you say something like, I will break both your legs. And then the flirty bar fills all the way up. <laughs> <laughs> well, He's into and I don't, I don't want to shame anybody for anything, that they're into, <laughs> but like it, I basically, I feel like you can undo to, you know, try and get the right path of the conversation, but I've certainly been in conversation. Like sometimes some, it'll just say like, who sent you? And you have a list of names and you just pick one. And sometimes that's like, yo, fuck you. I'm going to shoot you. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, I love that guy you made up. <laughs> and there's, there's no way to know mm. what's going to work. And that, so that doesn't sort of hugely work. And it, it ties into a quite an artificial system for, if you go into a room that you're not supposed to be in, the first guard you see will turn around and go, Oi, and you'll have a conversation. If you win that conversation, every guard in that room will no longer aggro you. If you then go into the next room, you'll have to do the exact same thing again. So you can, you can trial and error in this way. You can kind of brute force neutralize whole chunks of enemies. If that, it sounds like you're not getting any game though, because I thought exactly. it was a tactics game. Yes, it is. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, so this is, and this is, I'm telling this story because this is honest to God, my <laughs> abortive first go at a game that is, I think, this is the thing. I just feel like I am trying to play, I'm trying to play a different game to the one they've made, but I'm trying to understand the game that they've made. Yeah. Because then, because the, you do get moments, there, there are ideas, there are moments that I think are really good that are about challenging your assumption about what's acceptable in a stealth game. So because of your ability to rewind the world, um, there's a mission, um, there's a good mission, uh, where you've got to, it's not really a spoiler. Basically you've got to find a particular person and the, every naked dancing dude in the level is a clone of the same guy. And the moment you arrive in the level that the right clone, the right person is in his dressing room, which might be deep in the level. And so there's a bunch of different ways to find him. Well, there's two different ways to find him, but the most elegant is to, get to his dressing room so quickly that you can then rewind time back to the start of the level and he'll be there, which is really cool. And that means that like initially I was doing a thing of like, go up, talk to the guard on the door. Everything takes time, which is a constant sort of me- mechanic in the game. Talk to the guard on the door, get in, go sneak, 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 sneak. And I realized actually, no, I'm better off kicking the door down, running, shooting, shooting, stunning guards, getting to a safe point in the level, rewinding time. So they just all forget. And then just walking to the club. 
because that saves me eight seconds, which means that I have less rewinding to do later on. Mm. Um, all of your use of time powers is based on a resource bar called time resource, which is just TR basically. You start with a certain amount. Uh, you can commit a certain amount to hack rather than break open doors, which prevents things from ag- guards from aggroing, which is a sort of resource management game. You get new time resource by discovering rooms in a club. So if you enter and if you push back fog of war, you get points, which means that if you're not fighting, you can also get it from fighting. If you're not fighting, you're not getting any new points, which means there's finite points in the level. If you are taking a stealth approach, I didn't, I learned that kind of the hard way. Mm. Uh, the first time I, and this is the sort of experience I've been having. Oh yeah. Cause ba- so basically it, the, it's countering your like sort of game literate kind of assumptions about how it would work. Yeah. And sometimes that's good. Like yeah. assuming oh, that it's sure. actually okay to be caught sometimes because yeah. you can. But if the game isn't kind of helping you understand that, you know, as it's running along, then it's probably a problem. Yeah. Well, like, so the first time I got to that, the dressing room in that particular mission, I, I'd taken a much more laborious route to get there. And, um, and I, and it said, you know, you can either find the guard office and find out where the right clone is, or you can rewind until they were in this room. And I was like, Oh, brilliant. That sounds much more elegant. I'm going to do that. And I had a full bar. But because the amount of time I'd taken to get there, my full bar of time points was not sufficient to get to that point in time. But there was no way for me to know that until I started holding down the button. And I spent all my time points and I couldn't get any more. And I didn't know how to get any more, really. And I, I, I was still learning. But like, mm. I tried the situation of like, oh, I've just, I've just lost. Uh, and then I went back to the main menu, reset the mission, did it again, which didn't feel right. Mm. It's, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's really... kind of, and kind of like get, getting more time resource for, for opening more levels is very roguelikey, you know, sort of, you know, sort of like, there's yeah. a, God, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think there's a game in which by opening space, you do get kind of hunger stuffed back or whatever it is. Anyway. Yeah. Like that's a really counterintuitive it is system. As, as good as it might be to actually in play. Yeah. And like, and then, so, and then I, I decided that maybe, well, maybe I'm leaning too much my stealth instinct or my talk my way out of this rewind. If it doesn't work instinct, I'll just play out a fight. And then I got in this really weird situation where I aggroed basically every guard in the map, but found a bathroom they couldn't handle. Mm, yeah. I've done that with the, with the game a few times, which uh, I, I must be like a bug with the way that they, yeah. If you, if you're, I think so. One of the cool things about the way it, uh, the actual tactical combat works is that it's like Crypt of the Necro Dancer, unless they've changed it. So I played mm. it. Is mm. it different? Yeah, that's right. Um, so basically, like every time you move, the entire world moves a step. Mm-hmm. It's like Rogue, basically. Um, yeah, like Rogue. That's a much better <laughs> description of what this actually is. Um, which is, you know, it's, it's not like XCOM where you're moving into a position and then all the enemies are moving into a position. Uh, but the guards don't seem to have. Uh, any good ways of zapping you out of cover so um what the when i played it they didn't have like grenades or ways of pushing you out of a, a, an exploit that you'd found so um i if you find the right angle on a doorway i remember fighting like i had the same situation as chris where like it seemed like 40 guards were just coming at me for no reason and i could just go left right shoot left right shoot and everything would miss and they wouldn't be able to flush me out of that little corner so they had no way of going around it um so i wonder if that's just a problem built into it's the, the game. geometric little quirk. Yeah. yeah. And it was weird because, so they can destroy walls, certain walls. Okay. Well, th- the walls that must fall. <laughs> yes. The walls can fall. The walls um, is falling. Indeed they must. But when they don't, that's very powerful. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And so, um, 
but I found a weird situation where I think the guards were convinced they could shoot through a certain wall, even though they couldn't. Right. So they were gathering up, which was annoying because I had to keep kind of popping my head around a certain corner to get them to come back around so I could shoot them. But they would all get caught in this corner. So lots of the guards, because they, they, some of them fire shotguns or just like a spread of bullets and those will collide with other guards and hurt them. And so they were shooting each other, desperate to drill through this wall that they Mm. couldn't get through. And it's obviously a bug, but this was the first time I'd figured out, I just encountered a system I hadn't seen where I'd been in fights and I'd seen that sometimes fights end in like a replay. So it does something that I've thought about, like is a cool idea for a turn-based game where yeah. when the, when the combat system is finished, you press the button, it's like drop it and it plays everything you did back to you as a kind of like Real crazy, time, yeah. you know, night crawler blinking kind of time travel gunfight, which is a cool idea. It was a rudimentary animation in a lot of ways, but stylish idea. Um, and, um, and then I did that and I'd, I'd had this mad fight where I'd killed 40 guards plus in one crazy kind of running battle mm. which was just me bouncing around by a doorway and um and that mode that uh then you, you press space bar to end the combat and that's when you get the replay and the replay went on forever and i couldn't figure out how to skip it and it was just me bouncing 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 shoot bouncy shoot bouncy shoot run dash shoot that run dash shoot um and it has a combo meter and there's like multipliers and bonus effects and i was like what game is this <laughs> like oh is this the game like oh i've been just playing this kind of conversational s- stealth game that has some problems but actually this is a tactical combo building firefight game oh but then i got so many points because i it broken that I broke the combo meter and I got every single achievement for success <laughs> in combat all at the same time, like every steam achievement, which made me realize, Oh, I've broken this because they're called like your first big combo. Oh, you're getting better at this. And wow, <laughs> look at that combo. And I got all of them and I was like, oh, okay, I've broke like shit. Like, and I know that's not the first, that's not the first, that's not the experience you're supposed to have as your way into that system either. Mm-hmm. And, but reading about it. So I, I, I did, you know, I don't want to take, my cues too much from other people's experiences because i've had my own experience but i did go and read reviews and people are saying like this is like xcom meets super hot it's like this you know uh, i love you know people saying i love orchestrating this incredible time traveling gunfight and then watching it played back and i just haven't seen that yet i've Mm. just seen jank I've seen, and I've seen legit bugs as well, like yeah. enemies shooting at me endlessly from inside, outside of the level bounds and things like that. And like, mm, yeah. like it's been really well received. And like, I, honestly, this is one of those situations where, uh, maybe not on Twitter because I don't really check Twitter, but like do at me in principle, but do email us maybe if you have unlocked, because it, it is so different and we don't want to applaud it for looking so different mm. and for having such an interesting, um, an interesting atmosphere, an interesting world to occupy. But holy shit, like, and I de- would never want to punish a game for doing something different and just not explaining itself well, beyond saying when, you, you know, it didn't explain itself well. But I just don't get it yet, and I really want to get it because it seems like it should be so good and people that I respect really like it, but it's just fucking hell. Like, <laughs> it just, everything about it feels like it's like it's crumbling. Like, the the, the walls are falling. Indeed, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Resisted forces. Yeah, yeah. The, I found the, uh, that's exactly the same experience I had, which is, I mean, it was quite a while ago I played it in early access. So, um, uh, were there upgrades, by the way, Chris? Like, that was, yes, there's loads of upgrades. So there's a system, that was system wasn't quite in when I was playing it. That seems to be what they've been finessing. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's some cool stuff like, there, there's like a daily challenge mission where you get dropped in with a certain set of upgrades in a certain mission. Um, and 
um, I feel like I'm pressing my nose up against the glass of that at the moment. Like, if I understood what the fuck was going on, and it's or no, if I understood what was expected of me, what I just want to find a YouTuber who is very good at it, so I can look at it and go, oh, that's what being good at this mm. game is. Mm. Um, because at the moment, I just feel like I'm breaking it every time I win. Mm. I'm breaking it when I lose. Um, which I don't get with other games that I think exist in similar territory. Like, to be honest, like, you know, it's, it, this is weird, but heat signature is not a terrible point of comparison in terms of like, stop time and negotiate your way out of this gunfight type games about breaking into space. They've got very, very different, uh, ambitions in a bunch of different ways, but like, you know, heat signature is successful at explaining to me what I, or I, I can kind of intuit what success looks what what a good run looks yeah. like very quickly versus yeah. what a bad one looks like um because of the mixed messaging around when stealth is appropriate when it's not when it's possible when it isn't for example after those first few clubs all guards aggro all the time when you're in any kind of radius around them so stealth becomes both more and apparently less important and it's like that's that's exactly what i mean i guess it's like when suddenly all the clubs are full of flying drones and guards with danger signs all around their feet because that's the radius in which they'll detect you I, as a player, came into that thinking, this is my cue to be mega careful. Hmm. But actually what it might be is this is your cue to fight everybody and then rewind time, which is potentially really cool. But I just am not grasping it. Like there are, yeah, you're right. There are upgrades and things, but Hmm. yeah, man. I'm doing a gesture. He's doing a confounded gesture. Yes. Thanks, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) I'm confounded. It was the highest up flute. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been confounded recently? Um, more seduced, I would say. Oh, flirty bar. Uh, Angry bar. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've been playing, uh, Slay the Spire, uh, which just got to lay it out there. It does sound like a euphemism for wanking. <laughs> just gotta, just gotta lay it out there. Not to dwell on it, but it's just a thing you've got to get past. I think if you're gonna, you're it's, gonna it, it's there to be acknowledged. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a game about short, satisfying reward loops. Um, just, just <laughs> wow. In which you, uh, you climb up a giant tower and then deal approximately 700 damage to a massive organ. <laughs> <laughs> And then, oh, he's good. And then, he is good. Then, uh, and then you fall asleep, uh, <laughs> and you do it all over again. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> if you play this, um, if you play this on the Steam Link, uh, the the binding uh, for the mouse goes onto the right stick, and uh, the the left click, which is all you really need, is on the right trigger. So this game indeed can be played one handed. Um, <laughs> you are crossing certain streams here, Tom. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I, I, I can't stop saying the spire and now I'm, now I'm blind. <laughs> have you been daily challenging? I have been daily challenging. They seem, this, the, they seem very kind of, uh, extreme. They're that, very that good. To, yes. Yeah. Uh, this is what I want to talk about. Cause we've, we've talked about it on the pod before a couple of times, I think not me, but, uh, I think Tom talked about it. I think you yeah. talked about it as, as well, Alex. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I think uh, if you just go back a few pods, you can get the, the proper, uh, intricate overview of what it is. But basically it's a deck building game, um, which you play cards to defeat enemies in about three minute bursts. Uh, and you go up like three tiers and uh, modify your deck as you draw new cards and throw cards away. 
the cards are awesome. There are two classes. There's like a fighting dude and there's like a poison dude and there's a third dude to be added. That's currently in early access. That's been worked on. Um, but they added, I think like a month or two ago, like the daily challenge, uh, where they add three modifiers that utterly break the game. Uh, and you get like one shot to register a score. You can play it as many times as you want until the next day, but only the first score gets registered. Huh. But the modifiers are so extreme, like, it's amazing. You just can't stop playing it. Uh, so for example, uh, there's, there's a modifier I came across the other day where it was just like, well, you could just draw, de- uh, draw cards from both decks. Uh, so when you defeat an enemy, you might get cards from the poison dude and also cards from the red dude and let's see how those two systems like interact how the, how's that and you thinking well, how the fuck do i build a deck I, i've got like strats for both types of deck and suddenly you're like well what if i just pile loads of strength on and then use the green attacks and it just your mind just blows for the course of one daily run and then it's gone the next day and it's like uh there's another one where whenever today's was whenever you play a card of any sort it inflicts an extra uh, degree of slow on the enemy and i think slow increases damage that they take um, and I was running with the red dude and I love running strength builds. And basically strength is a stat that you stack up on yourself that uh, gives you a positive damage modifier to any attack cards you're playing. Um, and brilliantly the, uh, there's a, like a zero cost strength boost card that only lasts the turn you play it called flex. And, uh, <laughs> I th- and it's because it costs nothing. I thought, well, if I just build like, just take 10 of these if I can, if I opportunistically run into them. Uh, every time I play one, it'll slow the enemy and make me stronger. And then I'll play, if I play one attack card, I could probably just wipe stuff out in one go. Uh, and so uh, I took that and I, I aimed for that. I got some strength cards in, in the bag uh, and also started to get some like card draw so that when you get really good at Slay the Spire, you get like a really elegant deck. And mm. once everything's gone into your discard pile, your disc- discard pile gets reshuffled and becomes your, your deck again, which is the classic uh, deck builder thing. So if you've got loads of card draw and you constantly refreshing uh and you're constantly just building up your strength you're constantly just fucking flexing 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 all the time uh you can start to get to, a sore arm <laughs> one sore arm uh then start playing you just get a couple of attacks in as well that are just really powerful um and then by the end of it like i i just got to the just slayed the boss the second tier of three uh before i came out here is the reason why i was late today actually um and the uh <laughs> <laughs> the um i shook his hand <laughs> uh and the the combo was just absolutely bang on like i'd just gotten it exactly where i wanted it and uh so i, I was getting like <laughs> uh, coming out of the gate i was getting like ex- extra card, extra <laughs> i was getting extra card draw uh, and then it was like flex 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 please Still please Tom, reshuffle Tom, flex, flex, flex please please Tom, this just sounds kind of physically it was debilitating now it was the podcast it was thomas <laughs> thomas punching his hand that's what that sound is <laughs> I want to. I want to really communicate how good this this feels. <laughs> um, uh, so when you, when you get like a combo going in, say this by like the, the game really snowballs, and because <laughs> is that is that, is that I, don't, I don't think it was. I think he's on, he's on the train that, now. That's it now. Yeah, he's on the train. On the way. Oh no, just keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, once your combo kind of gets going. Um, <laughs> When you really hit the sweet spot before the first boss, then uh, you, you you kind of know, you can see quite far ahead of the game when you're going to say the spire when you <laughs> when you're going to you know get all the way uh, and 
that's the reason why I recommend people uh, play the daily challenges, which are, which are very, very good. <laughs> someone else to <laughs> Any questions? I do have one question. Yes. Does it, this is going to sound so... Well, actually, so uh, how does it balance against it? Like, does it... Do, are the bosses harder? Like, does it kind of just... Or does it just make you just absurdly uh, um, powerful? Is it harder, Tom? It's definitely... <laughs> it can be harder. <laughs> Depends on the, the upgrades. Uh, so some of them uh, make the enemies harder. Uh, <laughs> some of them uh, some of them give you insane benefits and often it's like a um, a combination of the two so uh, <laughs> you might get buffed enemies and then get something ridiculous buffed, buffed well buffed enemies. that's fine that's, there's nothing there that's, that's fine like, yeah, that's we can move on. ordinary language um, yeah I was trying to think of some of the other modifiers I've run into but it, it really they really do seem feel really extreme there was a, a brilliant one where uh, so uh, is it artifacts is it relics <coughs> relics yeah. I saw I saw a screenshot I think that you posted of, yeah. of a screen full of artifacts it's just relics forever and, and so uh, in this modifier right. whenever you kill uh, so relics are amazing they are just permanent upgrades for your character for that run and they can just give you automatic armor automatic damage every turn they can just change the way you play the game they can make yeah. entirely new decks via as soon as you draw one you're like wow i can actually just build towards a different thing now uh, and once you get to know what they all are as soon as you see like oh it's the low-hanging flute I, i'll uh, I'm doot, angle for a uh, you know oh, sorry uh, <laughs> every angle my deck to it's fine we end up in territory beyond <laughs> and now kind of look back fondly on the days of the low-hanging flute where we were so young uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, in this particular run, every time you killed an ordinary enemy, and you could choose your route through uh, the spire, and you can choose the one that's deliberately full of enemies. So you're, you know, every node through, uh, by which you travel through it, you can just go for enemies rather than question mark rooms rather than chests. So I was just racking up relics, and it, you, you just become fucking invincible, and it feels so good. It's yeah, really it does, fun. It? It's really it's fun. It's a game where imbalance is just it, fun. a totally yeah. great thing uh, yeah. for it. Yeah, and uh, it, it's so like RNG based. You can just get fucked by the stuff that you know uh the draw options you get uh, and uh i've been watching some people trying to speed play it on twitch and uh i think that the the record as it stood like about a month ago was five minutes from start to finish uh and watching that guy do it, it was just like the hat the- <laughs> I was going to say hands feet. Uh, the, uh, the speed of decision making, uh, the, uh, the click rate. You were going to say hand speed. I, was, I, was, I stopped myself to spare you, Chris, but it, just pausing was enough, apparently. Uh, yeah, just the speed of decision making and just uh, quickly, he, he picked up uh, a card that damages all enemies on screen at the same time and suddenly built his entire deck around that and getting card draw and just like doing that repeatedly over and over again. There's another guy who got his deck down to two cards that would just endlessly recycle. Oh my god. And it was just an infinite combo that would just destroy everything and couldn't be, it was a one turn kill on every Because it's basically a game in which you kind of, like, you have to react to what you're dealt and therefore mm. then you have to kind of suddenly manage your deck. Like, you have to sort of go, fuck, I've got to drop a load of cards somehow. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or you've kind of, and you, yeah, like, it's really interesting though. Did, did, when you were watching that, were you watching a lot of, um, kind of, game forfeiting when things weren't going their way or were they persevering with stuff uh i think they they wouldn't because it, you know they were playing so quickly it was over in like seven or eight minutes anyway so mm. you just sort of see what you got out of that and it was for the benefit of an audience so yeah. it was it was getting frustrated about that was part of the entertainment i think 
uh but uh, yeah i think the the good thing about it is that when you fail you fail quite hard quite early so um before the first boss you can normally you can already tell uh and at that point you can kind of you can ditch it if you think you're not going to get the you know on the power curve yeah because you need to be on a certain ability to escalate towards the final boss is kind of what you're looking for when you're putting decks together but it's it's an amazing it's a brilliant game and, you know it's in early access it looks like it was throw together in photoshop in not too much time i mean it's not the, the greatest looking game but it's it that's something i quite like about it because it has similar principles to a game like ascension is ascension that is mm. which is a I play ascension. yeah and um <laughs> ascension is just terrifying to look at it's just like i yeah i i've yeah. tried to learn it several times now and there's just so many places you put cards and it's still too much yeah and there's so many things on the cards I quite a lot of ascension actually but you're right it's one that ugliest card games yeah. i've ever seen so so busy and overwhelming mm. and, and one thing to say this way it's not overwhelming like it, it's quite it's very manageable your deck's very manageable yeah. even though you're performing a lot of the same actions you're you're performing in ascension you're ditching cards you're put, you basically put them into that part of the screen you're drawing from certain types of deck depending on the the um whether you open a chest or whether you fight a monster the, it's basically kind of ascension but presented in a very different way and much more user-friendly way and in uh and the games are just much shorter and much easier to dip in and out of mm. um if say the spire gets an ipad i'm i'm dead that's it you'll find me like just <laughs> in a closet somewhere <laughs> a skeleton uh a half-finished say the spire run. a husk of a man, husk of a man. <laughs> yeah good that yeah no that was very informative i um <laughs> spent a, a, a not insignificant amount of last 10 minutes crying again. and drinking <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i haven't played slay the spy yet and i was thinking about is it still early access it is yeah. yeah right i think it's in the back bracket if i would like I, I basically don't play anything early now even things i back on kickstarters i wait now but yeah uh slay the spy is totally ready uh yeah it's yeah. They, they can't really i mean they, they'll probably change right but the, if they change around the decks now they will continue change around the next you know post as long as the yeah. game is they've, they've just got like a, a when you select the character that you want there's just one that's you know grayed out and that's all they're they're working right. on at the moment yeah. it's just adding that and getting it right oh no it's just the general prettiness levels but then yeah. i quite like it. it's it's, it's it fine once you get used to it yeah. i think yeah hmm. yeah should we do some questions i think it's about time we did isn't it <laughs> tom you sound suddenly extremely mellow why would that that be just feel pretty chill okay good he's after all that uh activity he's uh he's pretty he's, he's pretty chill now fucking afterglow man <laughs> last question <laughs> and the he's last ready episode, for questions people ready. wondered about the identity of tom seafuck <laughs> <laughs> he's here everybody <laughs> it was old man senior from the amusement park <laughs> If I go on the run, uh, if you see the news, Tom C. Fuck. <laughs> Spotted. <laughs> Somewhere in Yorkshire, running towards the sea. What are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know, carry on. Um, our first question comes from, uh, Duncan, who writes, Hi, Crowbar and the Create. Christ often talks about verbs in video games. <laughs> I think he means Chris. But <laughs> it's an apocryphal uh, text that has been quite. An I, idea. There's something to think about in this. There is, uh, yes. Um, Christ often talks about verbs in video games. Any good video game nouns, adjectives, or prepositions? Thanks, Duncan. Thank you, Duncan. Content. Wizard. <laughs> Wizard. Spaceship. Uh, Cromulent. Gun. <laughs> <laughs> Wizard gun. I nice like... wizard gun. Yeah. Spire. 
Use. Use Flute. <laughs> Low. Dark. Soul. <laughs> Those are all the nouns. And now we'll move on to adjectives. Actually, no, hang on. I've been, Dark I've been is also an adjective. In, I've been spicing in some adje- ad- I said I'd use with a verb. Yeah, no. to wizard of words. It's a wizard of words, <laughs> To what? Uh, what did you just say? <laughs> wizard just, is all three. It is to, yeah. wi- to wizard here in my room. Here in my oh, room. Oh, that's absolutely wizard and <laughs> a wizard. Yeah, exactly. The omni the omni word. The most powerful game word, indeed. In an adventure game, you'd click on something and it would go, "I can't wizard that." <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Wizard off, will you? <laughs> um, preposition. Immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think that COD uses a lot of video game propositions when it's telling you where to go next. You know, when it's follow. Of, yeah, it's just follow. <laughs> The most powerful one of all. Wizard again. <laughs> <laughs> is that Tom's new game? Follow wizard. Follow God, the wizard. Follow. <laughs> it's, it's sort of Call of Duty wizard tactical breach. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Right, to be honest, I think Tom might have solved this entire thing with the phrase "tactical breach wizard." Yes. He might have gotten both an adjective, a verb, and a noun mm, um, in the yes. right order. What a devil! One step ahead, as always. I know. Yeah. He is wizard. In, yeah, indeed. Uh, next, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Tomas writes, Dear Creighton Crowbar, one thing that's always bothered me about games is how they don't want to let you get to the end. In The Witcher 3, the clear indications that the end is near started about 18 hours before the game actually ended. What followed was gathering your allies to the final stand, going off to an island to trigger said stand, praying for the main fight and the fight itself, and then back to the main game with several more quests to do, fighting a few mini-bosses, gathering more allies, fighting more mini-bosses, going through the main final area and final fight, killing the main boss, going through the really final 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 area, playing the epilogue sequence, and then being done. The Witcher 3 took this to a ridiculous extreme, but I've had a similar struggle with a lot of other games, both Knights of the Republic, but also Bioshock, Diablo 3, Mass Effect. I could stop playing at that point, but having devoted so much time and effort to get there, I just want to see things through. <coughs> Can you think of games, end game sequences that are actually fun, well thought out, and don't feel like a desperate move to get the players hooked longer? Cheers, Tomas. So I disagree about Mass Effect, which is predictable, but I do. I, I disagree about The Witcher, which is predictable. The, there you go. Yeah. Tom? Uh, I too disagree with this person, everything they believe in. <laughs> Thomas. Uh, no, not really. Thomas, Thomas, Th- no, this is, th- this is, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing Thomas. dark Tom. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Tom Seafuck <laughs> is back. What's gone wrong with me? <laughs> exactly. Maybe it's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing with me. Like the fourth Great and Crowbar guest is actually the, the mad alter ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Tom Senior. Um, good game ending sequences. I, I mean, so I, I actually genuinely loved the ending of, of The Witcher. I loved the, the, the the slow and fond goodbye there wasn't there wasn't the kind of the it had a crescendo at the end or towards the end but then usually and then the games often just stop there which is obviously a pacing good for pacing in in general but with the witcher i'd grown to love well i didn't even grow i i loved being with Geralt and i grew to love siri and to be in that world and to 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 finish the game, obviously there's a pre-DLC game, to finish the game in such a smooth and fond farewell kind of way, I, I absolutely loved. And it also had lots of, to resolve. There were lots of things about mm. 
his relationships which needed to be closed to, for the game to feel satisfying and I thought that the, for me that was wonderful mm. likewise um, the Blood and Wine expansion oh that was lovely is a wonderful sorrowful well, not sorrowful but it's just a really nice warm farewell to that entire universe yeah um, also I'd mention Mass Effect's uh, Citadel DLC which yeah. is also actually comes like it's an epilogue really it's an yeah. epilogue kind of chron- chronologically it's actually earlier than becomes before the, the end but is again an amazing goodbye and just a really nice ending a very memorable ending and I think um, like I would genuinely say Mass Effect 1 because from the moment you get the kind of big series of revelations uh, in the penultimate kind of area onwards, it really is this, I think, a sprint to the end where things just keep escalating, mm. which is, um, it's yeah, this isn't seriously my, I mean, it's my favorite, um, among my favorite Bioware endings. I think Dragon Age, the original Dragon Age has a really good, it's a long finale. Like, this is the thing, like... Maybe I'm just very much uh, in a different camp on this, but like, I kind of want a six hour finale when a six hour finale is appropriate. Like, Dragon Age is actually another example of an RPG that doesn't just end on its big crescendo. It really doesn't stop ending. Hmm. Just keeps going. But I like that about it because it's a long game. You spend 200 hours getting to that point. Hmm. Another six to see it off properly is better than it just being over, which is a problem that Inquisition had. Hmm. Inquisition just sort of ends. And yeah, it's again DLC set up so you go back to normal afterwards, but like, it's to do with proportion, I think. I think endings have to be proportionate to their well, it's story. The number of things that they set up, you know, if you've got lots of threads going, you've not got even, to close them all. Not even just in terms of quantity of story that needs to be resolved. I mean, in terms of like, you know, you have to feel like you've really landed the thing. And for mm. me, that means a big investment in the ending. Yeah. I would say that, um, in terms of like endings are just great by themselves um both portal games yeah like games that end really well yeah. and portal does um it's interesting that um thomas brought up uh bioshocks because i get the feeling that's probably a comment about the end game of the first bioshock where you yeah the the power rush at the end oh, yeah. and you kind of turn everything back on its head again <laughs> and kind of and it was unsatisfying and there was a sort of an extra load of legwork you had to do after mm. you'd felt that you'd done the main story and you'd done your, you know, going around rapture and stuff. Um, so I appreciate that, that there, I get the feeling that it's a list of games that you just didn't particularly enjoy as much as other people, which mm. is cool, which is fine. I was playing, um, I was going back to Bioshock Infinite this week actually and that's probably like a whole pod bit so i should probably save it for next week or the week after um otherwise we'll never finish questions it's interesting though mm. how that game um, stands up now compared to how it was received also i should probably mention bayonetta before we move on oh right. bayonetta has a phenomenal ending i'm like two-thirds of the way through the first one at the moment on the switch yep finish so good on finish bayonetta i like it a because lot. like you know how that game is ludicrous from the beginning oh yes imagine what it would be like if that game never stopped escalating <laughs> i can't I'm you can't see it. you can't exactly which is why you need to finish bayonetta after his slay the spire experiences will he survive this physically uh, <laughs> it's hard to say. I, at the moment in Bayonetta, I'm, I'm fighting uh, giant sort of um, angel trains yep. that fire missiles at Union. Have you done the Afterburner tribute level yet? Uh, which one's that one? Uh, it's the one where she shouts, welcome to my fantasy zone, and then rides a rocket for about five minutes oh, through not, space. Not done that yet. That sounds no. good, though. <laughs> yeah. Not space. The sea. The, the other space. The, the wet space. <laughs> <laughs> Under space. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's a good video game, Tom. Yeah, it's really good. Um, 
Our next question comes from Zoe, who writes, Hi all, what's your favourite New Game Plus experience, or which game do you think has done it particularly well? I just started playing Persona 5 again, and it seems particularly well suited to New Game Plus, as it takes a lot of the faffing around, takes out a lot of the faffing around, and allows for a far less stressful experience. Thanks for the continued podding joy, and depending on when this thing is read out, I hope you have, slash had, a good time at Rezd. Please say a special hello, whatever that may constitute, to my good friend Rahul, if you see him out and about. Zoe. So we haven't got to rest yet, but we will have a nice time. I will have a nice time at rest, and I will just say hello to whoever. All the <laughs> more about that at the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, may I may I grasp for the low hanging flute? <sighs> and then immediately pass the flute on to Tom, so we can talk about Dark Souls, the ultimate <laughs> low hanging flute. As we've well established now, it's pod it is the low hanging flute. Uh, yeah, Dark Souls is it's quite good at a lot of things, isn't it, Alex? It's amazing how, <laughs> as someone who hasn't finished one of them, I have no idea. <laughs> um, it's, it, I love them. Yeah, Dark Souls I, is. Um, and I die. The, the new game plus uh, kind of introduces new items and types of uh, you know when you beat bosses you get slightly differently worded stuff which for a dark souls nerd means a lot if you're really getting in, into the lore uh, I, I can't remember whether it, it does shuffle around like a few enemy placements like boss placements as well just to kind of really suddenly catch you out in certain areas um, but i think uh dark souls as a new game plus game it's, it's more about taking the expertise you've gained through you know 40 hours of combat in that game into a, you know a new place and fighting through the undead berg again with this new level of mastery and expertise and knowledge um so the, the best new game pluses for me tend to be combat games like that so stuff like devil may cry uh, where you go into a new game plus and you tend to have the full skill set that you've unlocked over the course of the first playthrough and now you get to use that on the first half of the game when you didn't have that and therefore it feels significantly different and it makes you feel really powerful as well for me that that's the best execution of a new game plus yeah yeah <laughs> I learned that Minute has a new game plus. Really? Yeah. So rather than a minute, you get 40 seconds per life. <laughs> that seems like new game less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually got to it yet, but um, uh, apparently the all of the little things that you do in the game, they're all actually tuned, the distance they are from the houses that you set out from at the start mm. of your life. Uh, uh, actually tuned for 40 seconds rather than a minute. So you can just get it. So it's the speed running bit. Uh, right. Yeah, I see. Yeah. So it's like it's the, the minimum. Where, yeah. Where you know what the things you've got to do are to, uh, to get through the game and therefore you are running for them. I think I've always enjoyed the, I've always enjoyed the new game plus modes in Bioware games. So not to return to that well again, but, um, because secretly all Bioware games are <laughs> slightly worse for being RPGs or, shooters or whatever they are they're really just story games about making pretend friends and going on an adventure and then uh you know some of them someone dies and you have sex with someone else and then the game is over that's that's a bioware game that's why they're good and really none of that is benefits from having to level people up to be honest this the sort of second or third playthrough where you can just enjoy the story and not even really think about people's gear i've always found quite stress relieving in a mm. way because also it means your character kind of look consistent People just have outfits and are good at the things they're good at, which is more like real people than, you know, the kind of Bioware logic of like you make lots of friends and then you all learn how to do fireballs together. While do you get extra having... stuff, like so you you get all the stuff that you had the first time played. You normally just carry your equipment through, but because you it will eventually hit the level cap, you end up entering a new playthrough, but with completely optimized characters. So there's no yeah. almost the entire character development side of the game falls away completely. Depends on the game. But that I've always quite enjoyed that. Mm. 
didn't quite work in Mass Effect 1 because the best armor in that game was of odd black and salmon pink wetsuit, um, which never quite both worked for me and didn't as the kind of defining outfit for the crew of the Normandy SR1. Did it confound you? No, no, I knew exactly how I felt about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Good. Good. Um, the next question comes from, uh, apparently Jesus. Um, but I don't believe this for a second. Um, I think this is a joke. To be stressed, I whereas I think the previous you... reference to Jesus was a typo. There's <laughs> <laughs> a fine line. Jesus writes, Blessings upon you, Creighton Crowbar. It took a long time before my dad would let me play violent video games. For years, I wasn't allowed to play anything with boobs or blood in it. I tend to play less violent games now, I think because I grew up with non-violent games and tend to associate gaming with karma challenges instead of violence. Do you think the games you grew up with violent or not have shaped the kinds of gaming experiences you enjoy now? Keep it real. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh I don't know what I would... I think I, I've kind of probably said this before, but I'm kind of intrigued to see the the forthcoming couple of decades of games that are made for and by the people who have grown up with Minecraft and Roblox mm. and, and, mm. and stuff. So, yeah. uh, because I come from a generation that grew up with BBC and, and kind of spectrum games, games that were punishing. And I spoke to Bennett Foddy a few weeks or maybe a couple of few months ago after, um, uh, getting over it, or getting over it with Bennett Foddy came out. And he was talking about some of his inspirations behind a game, which is all about kind of if you make a mistake, there's a good chance that you will undo all that you've done and end up back at the start. Hmm. And he said that it was, um, it was, uh, inspired in part by being Australian <laughs> and being an Australian gamer in the, you know, just growing up with in the eighties, uh, in Australia where, the games that he could play were on Spectrum. I think he had a Spectrum or something like that, um, where, you know, you have to spend ages waiting for the load. And then, you know, they were punishing because they were short form games actually. And so the longevity was, was granted by the fact that like, if you died, you'd be sent back to the start and things coupled with the fact that being in Australia, the games were imported from the UK at very high prices and you'd be waiting for months for them to, to actually make them away from the UK. Mm. Um, so, uh, and I sort of come from the same generation, but sort of in the UK and, and kind of, I kind of feel a bit lost in big open ended games because, and I don't know how much of this is because I'm just older and don't have the time to kind of invest in them. But I'm used to games kind of being getting to the point quite quickly mm. and, you know, and being shorter and being, you know, we were just talking about, I'm kind of, you know, going back on what we were talking about before where I kind of expect games to have ends, you know, and that kind mm. of thing. Um, uh, I've, I've been playing on, um, the Super NT lately, which is a kind of an emulator console for the Super Nintendo and been playing some old favorites, my old cartridges. Which has still got working saves on them for Mario Kart and Super Mario World and stuff like that. Oh, and like, they are just wonderful games still and just wonderful, beautiful feeling games to play still. And yeah, been really enjoying the fact that, that, you know, I'm kind of gotten used now to, 
you know games expect you now to sit down for a fucking long time to play them you know like mm. you know they the session time is expectations are quite long for most games now yeah um and it's really lovely to sit down with a game that where you can literally play for five minutes and you feel you get something from them mm-hmm. i i owned an original copy of uh rise of the robots on snares <laughs> and um it was it be it was indeed immediately shit like uh <laughs> it got right to the point of its <laughs> obvious obvious badness but I, I, but I had to play it i played it an awful lot because that was like the that one game one I get for six had. months or whatever and <laughs> so i'm getting these weird weird characters in that game just like jankily thrusting it was a beat them up thrusting at each other <laughs> not connecting but doing damage nonetheless you couldn't jump over it is that you couldn't <laughs> yeah, jump over right. each other it was a beat em up where you couldn't jump over but i was I, I'm sure the jump was in the game it was, you it could wasn't jump, very you high get, yeah, it, wasn't yeah. High it, was like it was more like a realistic jump it was just very real yeah <laughs> one dose of realism in rise of the robot they, they the couldn't rise yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hop of the robot <laughs> bunny hop of the robots uh yeah that was that game was toilet um, <laughs> I, I i can't because i was playing rise of the robots i think and games are just so much better now i've just almost no connection between <laughs> the games i was playing of that age and the games i'm playing now i could i could probably vaguely trace the love of diablo back to golden axe uh mm. or the games where you just smack smack stuff up that you just you know generic copy and paste enemies that run at you and then you blow them up i was i was very into the like I guess I was, games for me were like an extension of superhero comics and films and things. So I always wanted to kind of embody the, the coolest character and do the coolest thing, which is, I think I may have said this on the podcast before, but that's why I was a Sonic kid rather than a Mario kid. Oh my God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, honest to God though, if, if <laughs> find the child that aspires to be Mario and I have found you a child that will go to be a productive member of society. Well, no, <laughs> Where is- no, that, that's, that's the one bit I haven't Jumping on at. mushrooms and flying down pipes like any adult that might be expected to do. <laughs> Mate, like <laughs> Sonic was like, Sonic was the kind of sense of speed. Like Sonic was the tech demo platformer really of the nineties, right? Like that's yeah, kind of what yeah. it was. Yeah. It was the spectacle of going really really fast on an on inferior hardware of course <laughs> jesus christ sorry <laughs> sometimes if you words. say the wrong words in the wrong sequence um alex just turns into the edge obelisk <laughs> and like you, you've got to get like a specialized forklift to get him out of the house again he's made of solid obsidian now <laughs> you can hear him laugh but that's just emanating from within uh, the kind uh. of echoing <laughs> obsidian <laughs> plinth vibration become. yeah Anyway, this is why Sonic the Hedgehog is good, and you can you can have a geological event of your own over there. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was about going extremely quickly, which is a sort of exciting fantasy, right? Like you know, if it, like, and it wasn't like the best platformer by any technical means, but it was about like the the fantasy of that, and that probably dire- directly relates to like I like any game where you go fast. I still do. That's why I like tribes. That's why I like. Um, Devil daggers, even like I do, still get a huge kick out of any game where there's a sense of sort of like velocity and chaos and momentum rather than precision Nintendoid kind of um, design, you know, I kind of thoughtfulness and delight. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I guess. (laughs) And, you know, and obviously I've watched the obsidian chamber has spoken. (laughs) I've watched my childhood love of Sonic and my extensive collection of Sonic the Hedgehog comic books 
become a form of uh tumblr perversity as i've got and that's fine that's cool i'm glad that stuff has a as a future of some sort because god knows it isn't in games <laughs> um and uh I, you know i wouldn't I, I like just you know godspeed everybody on that ship um but um, you know, for me, it died there and turned into just a love of going very quickly in other, in other forms. Um, I was also really into telling extravagant lies about things that were possible in <laughs> the Command and Conquer series. <laughs> Did you know what you can do with Tanya? Yeah. She can blow up. Yeah. yeah no, you, yeah. Uh, it doesn't have destructible terrain. I made that up. Six. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, Good. like, um, so. And in that sense, uh, that is also continued long into my adulthood where I continue to say things that aren't true about <laughs> video games, but now I get paid. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, basically that for me, the, the template was set very early and didn't deviate whatsoever. Um, Alex writes, but not that Alex, a different Alex. Hello. Sorry, I'm going to have quite a lot of room. Hello. Hello. Hello, Criterions. Gad, you've been cursed with dreadful gamer vision. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> my my gamer vision is red and pulses. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> is yours green with a tribal tattoo? I don't know what you're asking me, Alex. <laughs> Alex, I have no idea what you were getting at. <laughs> I don't want to puncture it by explaining it. Okay. <laughs> Is it like some sort of like predator view mode? <laughs> I think so. Like some sort of but inspired by kind of gamer apparel. Yeah, know, like some peripheral like, like Mountain things. Dew sheen yeah, yeah, over. Yeah, every... yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. That's mine. Like, it's like the Predator's view mode, but when those triangular curses lock in, they're just Doritos. (laughs) (laughs) Sponsorship detected. Exactly. And instead of, instead of heat, it's just the relative intensity of a given take. Logitech G tech, whatever it's called. What? You just said the word Logitech for almost no reason. I just because it's a logo. It's <laughs> gamer. Oh man, oh. we're so out of touch, Alex. Oh. From whatever wavelength you're operating. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex, what is gamer vision? It's What's the point. It's just the point in the podcast. Yeah, where everything goes wrong. Yeah. I drank a lot of rum while Tom was talking about wanking. I mean, say this by. Did it help? Did it help? Um, it helped. Didn't make with more what? Just. <laughs> 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 That's that's a parameter for you to decide. Uh, so the question is, you've been cursed with dreadful gamer vision <laughs> and shall live out the rest of your days seeing the world through a filter of visual language tropes and UI prompts seen in AAA games. What ordinarily mundane tasks are enhanced? What suddenly becomes unbearable? Press F to pay respects. As ever, thank you for the delicious pods, Alex, a.k.a. an angry barnacle. I think it's the um because i've been playing a lot of far cry lately i think it's the it's the the kind of like very deliberate but kind of somehow pe- uh, sort of slow kind of getting in the car animation that's <laughs> unstoppable or going down the ladder so you can imagine if you're kind of going around the house or kind of mm-hmm. committing yourself to any act 
And as soon as you decide to open the door, your vision goes down. The hand comes out, <laughs> grasps the the, 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 the doorknob, yeah. pulls it open. You the, the swooping through the doorway and it's, oh God, I didn't mean to go through the doorway. <laughs> exactly. I just wanted to pick up the sock that was on the floor. <laughs> Yeah, getting um, seeing the prompt uh, appear and then accidentally attaching yourself to a ladder that it'll take you five minutes of faff to get off would be a disadvantage. It <laughs> would be a massive disadvantage in life. I just wanted to go up the stairs. Um, so I was thinking about this today, weirdly, before I even read this question. Um, so because I do a lot of walking around the house, picking up cups and putting them in the dishwasher, like that is like an in- not insubstantial part of my life. Is this something mm. that Pip sort of puts out for you? Yeah. She does cups everywhere. It's yeah. your, it's your, it's the, it's your exercise. My inability as a human being to hold maybe more than seven mugs at the same time safely <laughs> with when they're variously full of tea and coffee. Um, that highlights the lack of an inventory as a concept, really, as it applies to day to day human existence. You don't have an inventory. You got hands and fingers. Um, however, this also then like that little line of thought led me to think of, um, there's always the process of emptying the dishwasher as well that, uh, you know, you have to do before you can refill the dishwasher. These are the two, this is the ebb and flow of life. And, um, <laughs> the eternal, <laughs> eternal yeah. pendulum of domestic life. <laughs> exactly. And so, but what if instead of me simply like opening the door of the dishwasher, pulling the shelves out and finding things, places and cupboards, what if every time I wanted to open the dishwasher, it suddenly grew until it occupied the entire center of my vision, glowed with like a kind of golden halo effect, shook, and then opened like a loot chest. <laughs> oh, yeah. A shower of light. <laughs> yeah. And then those things just automatically filtered away to the relevant parts of my inventory, which in this case would be the kitchen cupboards where those cups and plates belong. Like that would be incredible. That would save so much of my time. And actually I would probably pay <laughs> in order to have that be the experience of emptying the dishwasher. Um, you know, that would probably be, that would probably be the single aspect of my life where I would definitely gamify the shit out of it. Can I let you into a kind of a, a periodic thing that I do while walking sort of somewhere is, uh, <laughs> is slightly shameful, but, uh, you know, kind of stamina systems. Yeah. And you kind of, oh, I got to go there. I got to get to where I'm going quickly mm. or it's a boring sort of over familiar route and mm. you kind of just, when I had some interest to it, I kind of walk quickly, but not in such a way that it's embarrassing, but you know, it's not speed walking or anything, mm. but walking quickly and, and imagining a little stamina meter going down and then you slow down or just have a little rest, let the stamina meter fill again. So uh, does the, this artificial thing you've invented in your brain actually, do you slow down artificially? Like, could oh, you yeah. go further? Yeah. So, oh yeah. Oh no, I'm, I'm fully physically capable of, of maintaining <laughs> the speed <laughs> that, I, that I had established. <laughs> But because my internal the logic you're operating on this game has uh, depleted, I do slow down a little bit. Is there like a kind of active reload? A little hop skip at the right point, and suddenly you're regenerated. You're ready to go. I could add this. I could add this. Cliffy B. Cliffy B. What a man! <laughs> what a designer! A great innovation. Make more great, games. Active reloads are fucking great. It, it is. is good. Um, I had a whole thought about this, but it's been deleted from my brain by the thought of active reloading your walking. <laughs> Tom? Um, I, I, <laughs> it's so like, quick on the spot. Um, 
I, you know, the giant enormous sky arrows or kind of like street arrows that appear to guide you relentlessly to your mm. location in games. I mean, that's an obviously useful thing, but I worry that it becomes a drawback when, given that life has many stacking objectives, uh, and they're often isn't just a primary <laughs> objective if you're just sitting at home and but but you've got objectives right just life objectives about things places you want to be in five years things you want to do at that, that restaurant you want to go to and suddenly your vision is just a fucking blaze of blobs uh scattering out across the world and uh and you're you just, think about it, if, paralyzed yeah, by it. If, if video game characters had like like so if if you the largest objective arrow represented the thing that was most important to you at a given point in time mm. then every video game character would like every four to six hours being tra- be by like need a poo <laughs> <laughs> giant arrow brown arrow appears just guiding you to the nearest this way because <laughs> yeah, need that's... a snickers bar <laughs> exactly so the one i was going to suggest is so i i tend to um arrive early for things i tend to, like i have a bit of an issue with being the first person to arrive at the pub for example or at a given um wherever we're meeting whatever we're doing and uh that's always obviously awkward what i would like would be the system from a triple a game where those doors don't physically even fucking exist mm. until my friends are there to open them for me so i wait by the door of the pub and the, the, the checkpoint just sort of like yourself up against over them. the door <laughs> which is just a flat picture of a door for the time being mm. and then my friend arrives and obviously we're ready to begin the social He's swept into a cutscene the social cutscene <laughs> and um and they open the door and then i'm allowed through that would that would solve me a lot of getting there early while the assets are still loading <laughs> <laughs> just scrape your way through a very kind of narrow aperture so to give you the time yeah well i mean what you can do is like crouch jump sideways into the wall of the pub until you glitch through the wall of the pub. <laughs> i guess this is a lock-in now <laughs> yeah, exactly. i'm not leaving <laughs> don't do that kids the next question comes from Simon, who writes, Dear Bait and Switch Bar, recently I've noticed that I have extremely low tolerance for hot objects. I can barely hold on to a freshly toasted bagel for more than a second without needing to fling it roughly in the direction of a plate. I realize this is ironic, as given the choice, I will tend to pick fire as my prime elemental affinity for wizards and other magically unkind characters in games. Do any of you have any personal limitations such as this which will make you poorly suited for the kinds of characters you tend to play as? Many thanks. Simon. Uh, I love the, I love the fact that I, I love <laughs> just thinking about the entire thought process that led to the writing of this question. More than anything else, I think it's very on much described hand, in the question. I, I have t- trouble with hot toast, but on the other, I like I'm fire wizards. Wizard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to demean the question at all. It's a good question. It's just, uh, that's great. And it's because this is almost certainly li- not just an example. This is literally the moment this question occurred to Simon. Uh, <laughs> I mean, almost everything about games is the things that I'm, I, I, I literally shy away from in real life. Well, yeah. <laughs> like running everywhere. That's something that, <laughs> that I tend to not to want to do. Putting Let's myself into reload in place, so we can motor down that highway. You know, three minutes flat. What if? What if? And this is not the question, but what if wizards experience throwing fireballs like you, the question asker, experience hurling a hot, a surprisingly like a hot bagel yeah. half onto a plate? If like, it's that what if every fireball is like, oh fuck! <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 We need to take this to Tom Francis when he's animating his new game. And animate it as though it's a hot potato that you really need to th- just get the fuck oh, away shit. from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a thing. I'm not sure how relevant it, it is really. Yeah, that's fine. I was just but, talking about... 
Um, I, was, I was thinking recently, I'm you know, worrying on a kind of low level about this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I saw Eddie laughing. Uh, uh, quite seriously, I mean, um, yes. I've noticed that... Um, <laughs> what about your real life could possibly have informed how you play games? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have noticed that um, recently when I've been approaching automatic doors... They've been, <laughs> they've been, o- they've been opening much, much later than they they used to. Really? Is that just they're like I have to actually like almost they can like see, they can see self confidence. I'm sure. Of it. I, I, I'm very it's confident. When I, towards it. Well, you won't notice me, but but I, I, I'm very self confident when I'm going. I'm going into a supermarket to get some food to stuff my face with. I'm, I'm very confident about that mission. So I don't think it's a matter of motivation that the door isn't detecting. What I am worried that I'm somehow like part of my soul has eroded eroded <laughs> like there's something that the I door is i don't think the door the, isn't the automatic doors sort of um uh, uh, uh detectors be- are based on soul recognition you don't think it's a I, or i might be like part phantom now <laughs> uh, something has stolen something You've become hollow something from me that <laughs> yeah, exactly that, that you I, actually need to have uh you need to be like fully you know you have to use some humanity, humanity. Yeah, and it's a mash of humanity into, yeah, exactly. my, into my DNA chest and, the, and then i'll be able to more efficiently go through automatic doors so here yeah. is a game do you do the kind of walking so you i don't i take it then you don't do the walking at the the the, 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 the automatic door hoping that it'll open just before well, you no longer no it. i'm not confident now i, I that, that i suppose that has affected my confidence because I, I get right up to them and then they open i have to kind of wait and kind of negotiate with the door and to kind of please please just please let me in please i need my fish fingers <laughs> i'm here to buy what, fish fingers does this have to like any question? normal member of society but i'd worry that you know my inability to do this would carry through into games and i'd never be able to complete is this because you have a fondness for stealth characters in games because you don't like really. <laughs> sidling around the side of the door <laughs> you're sneaking up on a crouch walk you got the perk which is like invisible to security cameras yeah. or something. and, and then the second perk where you can see it's sight vision so yeah so I, I, maybe i've taken i've taken i've taken a perk i can't untake i've taken this stealth perk um but it turns out like a like a genie's gift to secretly be a curse <laughs> and now it's i can't get into my local co-op anymore i'm furious you have the ability not to be seen, and yet you can't go into most major shops. <laughs> that'd be that'd be amazing if, like, yeah, like the Deus Ex, where you you got for like, yeah, invisible security cameras. That sounds great. But then the game ends like sixty years later, like, um, like I don't know, like, uh, like you know, sixty years later, Adam Jensen's long gone. Adam Jensen's grandkids are like, why don't we have any photos of Granddad? Granddad went <laughs> like, home and all his, all his automatic cameras. doors locked him inside and he no, couldn't go out to the shop. cameras can't see him anymore because <laughs> of a perk he took. <laughs> <laughs> I think this answers the question. No, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, yeah, like, five foot five and pretty slow, which means that I can't be any of the game characters. <laughs> <laughs> a morose just, moment of contemplation on the pod there going through all the game characters in my head exactly Alex have you ever killed a tree with your bare hands no then exactly I've kind of flailed at one you, have you punched a tree in real life you're going to say that to my uh, face nope, nope okay. never done that <laughs> our final our final questions are more of a, a a psa uh from our sorry i'm having a bit of a 
the reflux. <laughs> the reflux. The reflux. Eighty song. <laughs> More like radical low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why is it always like this when you're in my house? Um, you, he's like, okay, Tom started the, the, the wank stuff. I didn't know such thing. <laughs> I apologize at the start. You did. It's a serious <laughs> video game criticism. My heart is We're pure. all complicit in this. Anyway, our last email is more of a PSA from our community. Uh, Oddwood writes, uh, to let us know basically that he's posted registration info for the next round of community tournaments in our Discord server. This is a series of community tournaments in a variety of multiplayer games. What kind of games are they? Like Rocket League. Mm. Uh, you put me on the spot there, Alex. Jack da- and Daxter. I'm doing a face. Rise of the Robots. Rise of the Robots. Conf- yep, definitely. About time. This got the <laughs> yeah. tournament it's recognition. We should, we should clarify that if you jump more than two feet, you'll be immediately disqualified. So you could do that because you can probably do, uh, there's probably emulators that will do kind of, um, net, net play for, uh, are there for probably you're just making that up. Maybe. No, I'm definitely making it up, but it might be true. <laughs> <laughs> it would that be is, nice to do that's a Rise the of the Robots. That wins GMAs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good. Well, I just thought I'd let them know. I will put a link in the show notes to the actual proper full details. So if people want to get involved and, uh, get involved in the community competitions, they absolutely should. I'm sorry. I've really had too much run by this point. We should end the podcast. That is legitimately the final email. However, uh, if you would like to send us a question for a future episode, you can email us at questions at creightoncrowbar.com. You can also tweet us at Crate and Crowbar. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar. And as ever, thanks very much to our Patreon backers. Your support is uh, cherished and you can find out more about our patreon at patreon.com forward slash great and crowbar if you are listening to this prior to saturday the 14th of april we will be doing a live podcast at resed in london tobacco dock in Wapping, um which is happening at 4 30 on saturday the 14th of april uh, we'll be going on from 4 30 till about six uh, at which point people will probably be going to the pub which would be nice. Uh, obviously, it'd be great to see people there. It was a lot of fun last year. Looking forward to doing it again. Uh, you do need a ticket for the Saturday at Rest in order to attend, but that ticket gets you to the entire show, including all the games and everything else, um, including our bit. Do It was full last year, so do recommend getting there early-ish. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, it was it, we did have a full house last year, so I, I don't think we have to turn anybody away, but I wouldn't want anyone to be disappointed, so maybe get there 10 minutes before. I don't know. I'm no. still talking. I'm still talking. And it's happening again, the rum thing. Alex, what's your Twitter? Rotational, R-O-T-A-T-I-O-N-L-A-L. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Alex, Not now. No. <laughs> We're on the final stretch. I thought I did quite well with that outro. <laughs> yeah. I was in moments before. Look, I'm going to transcribe whatever it is the fuck you just said, <laughs> and I'm putting your Twitter handle in the show notes as that. <laughs> Apologies to whoever's Twitter handle that is. Uh, <laughs> Tom. Uh, I'm uh, PCG Ludo, which is LUTO. Uh, and I'm at C Thurston, that's C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N. Oh, thanks. thanks for listening, everybody. everybody.